This show is brought to you by Objectivity Squared Wealth Management, helping families strategize, execute, monitor, and communicate their financial decisions. Learn more at objectivitysquared.com. And remember, the road that is distinctly your own has never been traversed. Celebrate the path that is your call to adventure. Welcome to the 17th edition of Call to Adventure. This is John Duckworth along with Alex Opolis here in the Ohm Radio headquarters in beautiful Charleston, South Carolina. We're here today with one of Charleston's own, contemporary artist, Tim Hussey. Tim grew up in Mount Pleasant and on the tip of the peninsula at the Battery and later attended Portergout High School and left Charleston for the Rhode Island School of Design to study illustration, spending his junior year at Parsons School of Design in Paris. He moved to New York City in 92, began working for MTV, and then worked as a successful illustrator and art director for over a decade, creating illustrations for the likes of the New York Times, Chicago Tribune, Ray Gunn, Forbes, GQ, Outside, Rolling Stone, to name a few. Luckily for those of us who know his paintings, Tim transitioned to painting as his primary focus in 2000 and has had tremendous success. With solo exhibitions across the country, he and his wife Elise are now back and living in Charleston after spending three years in Los Angeles. Welcome home, Tim. Thank Glad you. you could be here. Thank you. Yeah, it's been it's really incredibly new and exciting for me to be back home. Excellent. Well, <laughs> in in looking back, you know, so many years ago, growing up on the Battery, um, Alex and I both found it really funny to hear Shepard Ferry talking to you about. Being on the battery. Being on the battery <laughs> and the sort of antebellum classic Charleston home. Yeah. And in the backside, there's a half pipe. You guys are smoking closed cigarettes listening to the Violent Femmes. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> hey, I wasn't that bad. I, maybe Shepard was clo- smoking closed oh, okay. cigarettes. <laughs> I was pretty innocent. I, you know, I, I didn't have a drink or anything until college, but I definitely thought I was um, pretty mean and tough, you know, yeah. just being on the ramp. Was that an intentional? Watching the ramp more push against the, the the Charleston culture at that time or you know I, I had two stepbrothers that we, we all happened to be into surfing and skating together and then when we moved downtown so to keep it real I grew up in Mount Pleasant in the old village and happily it was really a great place to grow up and I happened to move downtown when I was 14 and that's when I sort of met okay. Shepard and Shepard is a you know born and raised downtown you know in on the not necessarily on the battery but on the peninsula whatever, yeah so, yeah, but there already was this whole crowd of, of, of sort of like um, friendly punks that were, <laughs> you know, messing around and trying to grind some rails on the um, battery wall and, and, you know, doing the tricks that seem so simple compared to what you see now. But Yeah, right. And so they gravitated towards your place and you ended up having a half pipe in the backyard. That's right, yeah. That's we had two people <laughs> slice their hand from top to bottom Oof. on that ramp because it was one nail that... For some reason, we refused to move or forgot to move. <laughs> it's a badge of honor. Yeah, they were both named Matt. So, I, you know, I, that must have been a curse on them somehow. Um, but it was, yeah, it was a good time. It was definitely a, um, a way to belong in a place that I didn't feel like I belonged growing up necessarily, you know. Mm. so That's really interesting because I other. think, you know, that sense of belonging 
is something that when we a when asked about your calls to adventure, three of them you pinpointed were actually physical moves. Yeah. Um, and you know, one of the questions around that would be, you know, what 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 were you searching for, or were you searching for something? Um, was there a uh, was it the leaving or the arriving that was most intriguing? It's the mainly. Ooh, that's a good question. Leaving, but the arriving. The arriving's nice, right? I'd say it's about equal because yeah. uh, you know I always tell people I, I wish there was more um, um, mystique and mystery to my moves, and you know that it's this beautiful um, moment where I had a revelation that I had to move to New York or whatever. But it was more, you know, you, I think most of our life is guided by the few mentors and friends and what they're doing at the time. And granted, you are sort of unconsciously you agree with them. It feels right, so you look mm -hmm. up to them, and so you start to do what they do, you know. So, but most of my moves in life have just been, you know. It's interesting because you you, know, you talk about your work being shaped by gut and, and in, intuition. Yeah. Um, you know, when you look back on your life and these big moves, and you know, I think a lot of us think that they're really uh, intentioned and mapped out, and there's a big master plan. Of course, and yet, right. Uh, of they course. they mm -hmm. all seem so. Not just yours, but a lot yes. of the guests yeah. on our show. Uh, very just not maybe flippant would be the word I casual mean, casual right or random yeah. or right almost unrelated sometimes yes like you going to RISD because you were really just following your girlfriend right uh, yes I wanted to go up north because I knew she was going to Smith College and I wanted to be up there but also I was just copying her ambition I didn't uh, have that kind of ambition as a kid I I always wanted to be well known in whatever I did but I had no idea how to get there. And all I was thinking about was surfing and girls, you know, during high school. Mm. So uh, I, I just, you know, fortunately fell into getting close with her. And then, though we're not super tight anymore, different people, but her ambition was just, I copied it. Mm. I just saw it and I said, it wasn't just to be near her. I just said, there's something, she's doing something right something I, I admire and I'm not, I don't see many people doing so I'm going to try to go up north too and that was a handful of us that all went up to different schools yeah. in the north so do you still do that today not cop maybe copying is the wrong word but do you surround yourself with those people who you you know that can teach you or inspire you or yes yes and it but it, do, it definitely doesn't have to be other um artists and even mm -hmm. specifically painters but it really has to be just anybody with um, integrity, you know, in, in, in anything they do, but also the ability to listen and to tell a good story hmm. and to know how to, when to stop telling your story. <laughs> and um, there's, but, you know, there's a... There's a you, you said about people who you admire most, you, you went on to say, a true artist at life is someone who can compose each year, each day, each moment with consideration to others and their situation. I don't have any tolerance for anyone who blindly belongs to a group or a way of thinking. We are no. complicated animals, and if you don't listen and look and decide for yourself, you might as well be dead. Mm. I thought that was really, <laughs> you know, strong, poignant, and true, <laughs> yeah. metaphorically. Um, and so, the, is that a fair way to say those are the types of people you surround yeah, yourself? Yeah, I mean, you know, when you, when you state something like that, it sure feels like so finite like oh well you know sorry i'm not haven't found myself yet you know <laughs> it's more but it i it's, it's not a snobbery it's just more a um man it took me a long time to figure out who i was and i went through a lot of awkward phases so if i don't see that that pretty much anybody can can find it they just if they're if they're not too lazy they can 
try to fight to f- for it. Fight for to fight mm-hmm. for what they w- would like to do. And I understand everybody's not just like blindly driven by something, but um, but at least look around. It doesn't matter what you're doing with your life. Just look around the people around you and decide: Are these people um, really alive, or are they just kind of like a mass? you know, entity that is decide is kind of following commercialism, you know, and the media. I mean, to me, the biggest enemy, uh, the biggest pet peeve and enemy in my life is advertising. I hate advertising on the radio, on TV, on anything. I hate it so much. I mean, it's, it, and it symbolizes something in me um, because I feel, first of all, that it's, it undermines like how smart we are as people and it, it's underwhelming to see that, yeah, actually people do. I don't know if underwhelming yeah. is the word, but people do. It actually works. Yeah. And so it, it's a letdown in all, yeah. all sides. It's a, and it's a form of self-hypnotism that, that we're all engaged in, yeah. which, which, and, and some of us more literally than others. I mean, you were doing illustration and art direction yes. yeah. Yeah. for a while, and I, I was doing that sort yeah. of thing as well. And the reason why I stopped doing that was for the exact reasons you just listed, was I felt like I was contributing to yes. something that I did not want to contribute to. Yes, I mean, listen, magazines are right up there, and I've art-directed <laughs> magazines for yeah, years, no. and I still art-direct them to make that money. But I, I agree yeah. with you, and I know you've been through the same thing of that, like, dang, why does that have to be so uh, so uh, gross on the other side to support this side that's so lovely? Yeah. But... There's a balance, you know. I have yeah. to survive, and um, if you want, if you're trying to get the ed, you know, trying to outdo yourself with your artwork, you can't rely on the money being there because if yeah. you are guided by the money, it just can't it can't go together. No, the two don't know? go. They don't fit together uh, very well. I remember you mentioned as far as favorite movies, uh, Mulholland yeah, uh, Drive. Mulholland Drive, yeah. And uh, the director there. Um, uh, David, Lynch, Lynch, David yeah. Lynch, he said something that I read years ago and it really impacted me. He said, I knew that my work might not be commercially successful. And so I was very, very intentionally limiting all my expenses, even after having an initial success. Yeah, he right. bought a very modest house and didn't go out and go crazy on, on, on raking up the expenses thinking, oh, so this success thing's happening. He knew that he wanted to allow himself the freedom to create whatever yeah. he wanted to create, yes, whether it was commercially successful or not. Yeah. And it really landed with me like, oh, yeah, that's the thing. You know, yeah. not, don't try and sell for more. Try and reduce my expenses. Yeah. <laughs> so, what if, so what if he's doing amazing and, and yeah, right. <laughs> he wouldn't even talk to us in the street? <laughs> but he, yeah, he is incredible. Uh, he's one of my heroes. David Lynch is right up there in the top five people that I you know, admire most. So it's, but that will Mulholland Drive, that's the reason why. Yeah. It's just a piece of art. I love what you said about New York. Let's go back to New York. You've lived in Paris. You've lived in L.A. You've lived on a farm in Tennessee. You've lived in Charleston. You've you've experienced a lot of different cities. And I think what you said about New York is it's a city for amateurs. Oh, wow. And, and, I, and I just would like a little bit more insight on that. Did I, say, did I write that? No, because that's something I used to say a lot. It. Yeah, right. You said it. No, I, I... But I loved your description. Can you share with us what you meant by it? Very that? much agree still. And that is uh, me... Um, it's an amateur thing to say. <laughs> but that's okay. I mean, I know it is. It's just that for me, you know, I still have great friends there and that are, um, I think, you know, equally as sensitive and mindful and want the best out of life and and love and all that. So I can't say that it's uh, everybody should have done what I do because they're successful and love New York still. But 
the reason I say it's for amateurs is because anytime you kind of feel like you need to be surrounded by people like you to grow, now it does help a lot, and it's that's believe me, I've done it a million times. But I saw that the true challenge was going coming back to Charleston or going to a farm or whatever, leaving and still trying to uh, caring enough to push yourself as hard as you can by mm -hmm. looking at books, by, well, you know, the internet was kind of in and out then, but um, by uh, making it happen without, without, without just the rising with the tide of okay. all your friends in New York, you know. Well, I, hmm. is it fair to say, like, you have so many diverse influences and whatever your influence or inspiration is, you can find it in New York. And yet when yeah. you get out of that environment, you have to find it on your own. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to want it. You have yeah. to want it because, and you're not going to have um, friends that you can just go yak with all the time about the, um, wow, you know, did you hear about this going on this show or whatever? You just, you, um, but it, it deepens you, you know, to move to the country, for lack of a better word, to get it to a less populated area, less progressive. It definitely deepens your practice to, to not just go to the depths that New York is. Because listen, New York is its own um, has its own uh, style and art and genre. I mean, it has its own thing. Yes, yes, there's uh, you know, thousands of different kinds of artists, but I bet if you laid it all all these people down on one huge, you know, floor, you'd start seeing an overlap of what kind of streams through them all. And to me, my never-ending quest to be cool, uh, more different than everybody in the world, which is impossible, I. New, I, I saw that, that I don't want to just be a New York artist and a person that moved, just moved to New York and became an artist. And I was there for a good amount of years, but I still, um, I always knew not to drink the water completely because then you would just become one in a million. You know, people say like, oh, you go to New York, that's where you really make it, if you can make it there, blah, blah. But it's like, no, if you can make it living by yourself in the country, you can make it anywhere, I think. You know what right, I mean? That's, right. to me, the more of the challenge. That's yeah. interesting. That's a really interesting way to put that. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, Leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, speaking of, you know, different places, one of the one of the major influences you stated was that year in Paris when you when you left. Uh, well, it was, you were still at RISD, but you were, yes, did a year abroad year. in Paris. Mm -hmm. What happened there that was so instrumental? Monumental change there, and that was... Um, had nothing to do necessarily. Well, luckily it had to do with the school. It was good, but you know most of those programs abroad, they they don't pretend to be about, about academics. They're about getting you over there and you learn about life, living on mm. your own in another country, learn the language, whatever. Mm. And that is why it was so monumental because I did it on my own. So a sense of pride builds up. Then then you stack on top of that your ability to meet friends, your ability to navigate the city. You feel like you own something, you know, you're really, you, uh, it's, it's a growth away from your family and just being a child, being a child, especially that young. So that was major. And then, but I, I was really a, a trifecta. I can't stand that word, but I'm going to use it. <laughs> of where things all collided. It was like, uh, I, I think the Los Angeles Lakers actually have the cop or the trademark to that now. So oh, we're going to have to. Oh, what? Three P. Oh, three feet, is that yeah, it? Yeah, okay, Pat, sorry. Well, Pat Riley, being an L.A. kid myself, <laughs> oh, yeah. Pat Riley, trademark. They can the keep three their three feet. Actually, yeah. I'm going to start using three feet. Yeah. There you I go. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> um, so trifecta, yeah, so I, I happened to meet who would become uh, one of my best friends for life, this guy David Miller, who was coming from Parsons in New York. So mm. that was kind of like a major move for me because I, I met him there, com you know, completely different 
guys, but but at heart we weren't. We were both like uh, sort of only children that, that drew a lot. You know, we were kids, and so we became best buds, moved in together in Paris, and then he gave me um, a, a bigger ambition. So I had the you know the girlfriend inspire me to have ambition just to go up north. Okay. But that, that's, that's not enough. Just once you're up there, you can lead a horse to water or whatever they say, you know. But then what do you do with it? Yeah, then yeah. what do you do with it? So then you have, you're lucky if you meet a couple of mentors. Well, I happen to be now living with this guy in Paris that was like, dude, I, you know, I had to get so many loans to come to school. And I had to take off semester and work. And, you know, I, I, my, and here my school was just paid for, you know. So it's, it's, it's you're spoiled. You don't know what you have. Mm. So he had to pay his way through. So he was like... I, he said, I get up at 6 a.m. every day, and I take the subway or the under or whatever it's called, the metro, to another um, spot in Paris. He said, I'll go. I've been to the Orsay Museum, you know, 10 times already. I go and oh, I yeah. study paintings that I've always wanted to see. I sketch things. And I was like, oh, you know, I just think about my girlfriend and, and think about, like, I don't know what I thought about. You know, you're just you're so stupid when you're a kid. And so I just, I, I, so thank God I just... I loved him, so I started copying him. Mm. I said, we're going to be in this house every night, and he's going to be painting, and I'm going to be just goofing off. Well, wouldn't it be more fun to paint together? And yeah. so and we, explore museums? and Yes, do all that stuff together. Yeah. So, so we did. So that became my most important year of school, because it huh. wasn't just about um, um, partying or whatever. It was about a true growth. So it didn't matter that school was tiny and there weren't a lot of people there. It was really that I found my school in him. You know what I mean? So we yeah. sat up every night talking about our you know, dissecting our favorite movies and paintings and songs and really learning to intellectualize things. So, you know, I started using that part of my brain more. So that was inspiration. Oh, man. Well, I mean, what a great yeah. place to do it, though, too. Huge. I mean, I, we were talking to, to Kurt Cavanaugh about, about small spaces the other day. And, yeah. and, and the idea of, of a small space in a place like Paris has to do with the fact that the larger public space of the entire city is accessible to yes. you yes. when you're there. So you can, you know, you can have your moments inside. Um, but then you can also go explore so much. There's so much to do and see. It's a trade-off, yeah, and it's, wor- it's yeah. totally worth it. Yeah. So, um, and I lived alone that year before I moved in with David. So half a, half a year I lived alone. And if that doesn't make you grow, you know, <laughs> I, I come from like a you know on and off depression kind of like guy. So it was like a real challenge to learn okay. how to go to sleep without just playing the TV all night and mm. and trying to have some kind of white noise to make me not, not go crazy. Well, that you know. And then the reality of this guy's experience woke you up to a greater, like, the fact that you were yeah. may, not, maybe not privileged, but in a way, in a sense, comparatively, you yes. thought, wow, what am I doing? I really yeah, need to. Yeah, what am I doing, man? This is mm. like a you know, huge waste of money. This guy's barely getting by. He wants to be here. Mm. I was just skating through art school because that's what seemed to be the cool thing, you know? Yeah. And so he made me get more serious. We ended up living together for three years in New York as well. Oh, okay. So he became real close. Well, so much more to talk about. We're going to take a moment here to listen to some music. And I think a lot of people might say the title of this song sounds a lot like A Year in Paris. Would that not mm-hmm. be nice by the Divine <laughs> right. Fits? That'd be a treat. <laughs>
That's the divine fits. Would that not be nice? And uh, lead singer there is in Spoon as well, who I'm very familiar with. Love that band. <laughs> um, and so, you know, second call to adventure, you listed as uh, as moving to New York, right? And you did that to work as an illustrator primarily, right? Yeah, an art director. Yeah. And we were talking earlier about some of the other artists, uh, De Kooning amongst them, and you mentioned Rosenquist, people who mm-hmm. had this sort of very fine-tuned technical. Lettering, draftsman, sign painting, uh, very Warhol formal. Too, as Warhol know. as well. Yeah, he was doing those shoe displays uh, yeah. in, in Manhattan, yeah. and and uh, so many uh, artists make that sort of entry point. Yes. Uh, um, what was that like for you as an entry point? To be to become I me mean, being an illustrator first. Yeah. And then, yeah. It was the most important thing I ever did. Really? Yeah. I mean, I'll even say jumping back to RISD real quick. You know. Sometimes I'm, I don't know why, sometimes I'm a little bit embarrassed about saying, like, I was an illustration major. Because I, you know, because the intense person says, like, oh, I was, you know, of course I was a painting major. It's in the fine arts department. I I just fucked up the program, man. Everybody was just like, you know, I did whatever I wanted. But I was just like, listen, illustration, (laughs) it taught you about how to think conceptually, what something, the implications of an image were, certain images, colors, shapes, you know, what universal symbolism is, so that, Mm -hmm. you know, a proper illustrator knows how to take an article or something and really describe it without taking the reader in too many uh, personal directions um, in in just one image. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. And you think about, like, well, that's the best way to learn what it, how to put, what you want to put into a painting, you know? So, you know, 14 years I was doing illustration, overlapped some of my fine art career, but I just always tell people I, I was glad to study illustration because it, it took me a long time to build up my line quality, my color mm-hmm. choices, sense of composition, doing this, these things over and over and being paid for them. It was, and, you know, and I had my little thrills. I, I got into, um, I always got into American illustration. That was like the, I was trying to do, just like anything in life, I tried to do my very best at it. You know, I wanted to know, like, how to push the limits of it. So I always tried to do, I had a very, I was known for very painterly, rough-hewn style in my illustration. Right. But what people didn't know is that I never was super comfortable in it. I didn't like to have to meet an art director halfway. I didn't mm. like to, if a face didn't uh, didn't really demand to have a nose on it or if a body didn't compositionally I didn't need to have arms on the body I didn't want to have to put those in for the sake of an article 
so that it didn't look like an article about an armless man. Right, right, right. You know what I mean? So you had to follow some rules, you know, and it's a beautiful thing. It's great, man. I can't complain. You, to, to draw for money for a client, it's great. Yeah. But at a certain point, I knew that my heart was always pulling toward uh, freedom to do whatever I wanted with these lines and these shapes that I love so much. There's a book I read about color theory years ago by a woman named, I think it's uh, uh, Luigiana Grandis, Italian woman, and she said, uh, you have to learn the rules in order to know how to break them. Yeah. And, and I find that, you know, that so often that's yeah. a really critical thing to do, just so you fully understand the language, this yeah. visual communication language that you're working with. Yeah, I mean, how can you, you know, great to be a great orator or even poet or whatever, you, you got to know. No, Miles Davis said that about jazz, right? Mm-hmm. In order to be improvisational, you have to know the rules with which to break Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah. That's why yeah. it's, you know, I'm, people do it, but I'm, I'm always hesitant. And I question some people that just try to jump in right at the top, which to me is the top is full expression of whatever they want to do. And um, I'm kind of like... Mm. Man, there's the richness that you're going to miss, you know, yeah. through the process of learning. Yeah, right? yeah. It's a real yeah. challenge. I see that, particularly now, there's, there's so a much of, of an interest in, in sort of, it's the need for speed. I want it now. Graphic designers, man. It used to be an art. The, now it's yeah. not an art. It's just yeah. you have yeah. templates, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, and on the flip side, or on the other side of that um, um, conversation is working for other people, yeah. doing yeah. creative work, which which can be a blessing and a curse. You know, it forces you to sort of understand uh, that a different kind of communication with yeah. client and other but at the same time um I've, i always found it a, a potential danger to the freedom of creative process as soon as i have this other voice in my head saying is the client gonna yes, think yes what are they gonna think yeah. about this move and then it's like oh man that just screwed up my whole like yeah. flow i was in absolutely but your work and your, it, it, your illustrative work uh, to your credit um, every time I look at it, they look like standalone individual works of art that could hang on the wall outside of little, a, a publication. Little paintings. You know, it's funny because when I sell those, right, sometimes I, I put them at Redux auction, things like that. Uh-huh. I'm always like really pleased that people bought them because oh, yeah. I think when I look at them, I just think, well, I remember the art director. I remember the story. <laughs> I remember exactly how it went down. I remember uh, having the flu when I had to do the piece or whatever. It didn't matter. So I can't look at it. I don't see it as a piece of art. I just see it as an illustration. But, so, but you know, this is one of those little lessons. You forgive yourself later in life. <laughs> you know, Mark Sloan in the documentary that I watched, Running by Sight, talked about your work and said it's both illustrative and painterly at the same time. And he went on to say, sort of almost as if in a dream state, disparate images pushed together with color and texture added in, a tension between the image and the disintegrating image yeah. Which makes me think back to that word that I think is so complex, the balance. Um, and the balance between the lines, the illustration, and the abstract, the painting, the balance yes. between yeah. the client and pure expression. Because I found it fascinating that you said, uh, it's taken me 35 years to feel confident in my expression yeah. from my head to yeah. the canvas. Yeah. And a lot of that has to do with being... Um, uh, fortunately and unfortunately, a trained artist, and fortunately and unfortunately, raised with security and safety and good parents mm. and um, not a whole lot of conflict. And that is a real downer for an, a painter when you get older. You want your story to be a little richer like that. But it, uh, it, that said, it was very, very hard to shake off um, being wanting to be a pleaser and, mm. and do the, the right thing, the polite thing, the, or make her, you know make things really clear and easy for people and um 
then then you stack art direction on top of that. Art directors looking at you, commercialism, you know. And uh, that said, I, I can't imagine that there's very much pure expression out there. It's hard, you know. I mean, when you say pure, there's a there's a pure like yeah, you're not influenced by the art director too much, and then there's just all out, you know, rolling your eyes back in your head and um, and drawing, you know, with a pencil on your elbow or something. You know, there's you. It's hard. It's hard to find that pure expression. And I, you know, I just left a painting today to come here, and I'm I was mad because I was rushing it to try mm. to get it done before tomorrow, and I, I hated it when I left. And I thought, I guess I'm not a painter. This work sucks, and this is where I'm headed. I suck now. You know, that's what oh, I, you know that John. You, this is how you feel every day. It, you're, it's like you're you're playing these high stakes every day, and if you do a couple of bad pieces or pieces that aren't your standard or what you're trying to do. You think you're phony and fraud. It's and, easy yeah. to have the rug pulled out from under you, and you do it yourself yeah, in this absolutely. in this business. Um, uh, I think that uh, a good friend of mine said, "Artists love self, uh, you know, love affirmation," and because <laughs> yeah. and, and, it, it puts the rug back under a little bit. <laughs> of <laughs> you know? course, yeah. When you pretend like you don't want it, and that's why you get clogged up. You start thinking, right. "Well, I'll be more. I'll get some good affirmation." Because I remember. Some people recently were really responding to this blue I kept putting uh, in the painting. So you think, yeah. I mean, what's so hard about putting a little blue in? You know, and just add it into my my natural free expression, <laughs> and uh, so suddenly it's tainted, and and it will never be as good as you want it to be. If you well, I mean, I have to say to your credit, one of the things that I like from the moment I first saw your work, there was a sense of this, of a, of of it being unfiltered and undiluted and unscripted in a way. And I think you would probably offer up a percentage point. <laughs> sure, right, but, right, right. But that's fine. I mean, it, what it, it was enough of a percentage of unscriptedness yeah. and undiluted coming from another place uh, in yourself. Yeah. Um, that it just resonates in a way that that for me at least um, uh, every time has has a wow. I'm I'm intrigued by this other world, and it doesn't have to make any sense at all. Yeah. And who cares if the other world is made up of... It's really maybe just a rearrangement of the world you know, so right. you are influenced. Mm -hmm. But you, if, you're, if you're careful enough, you can um, flip things around so that at least they create an, an illusion of another world, you know? I mean, but yeah, it's... How do you go from very clear, pinpointed need to communicate a message from illustration yeah. with your painting, no statement... Yeah. At all. Yes. No intention yeah. for statements. No, nothing to communicate here. How does that transition play out? Well, I'd say that, that the reason I do it, the reason my, my reaction is so strong in paintings to not have a particular statement, even though a statement's there, it's just that it takes years and years to find out what your statement is. Mm. For someone just to pretend, you know, just jot it down. Oh, well, this means this and this. Well, this not, it's not it's much heavier than that. And it's actually not as clear as that. You, know, you can almost not use English. <laughs> you know That's what I mean? true. Mm -hmm. A certain je ne sais quoi, if you will. <laughs> um, but you... Oui, oui. Um, oui, oui. So, yeah, that transition is my, is, was a reaction. You know, after illustration, I was just so sick of it mm. that when I first had a little uh, in a group show in Nashville... And just I the had freedom this, of it? The freedom of it was great, but I definitely couldn't get away from having some figures uh. in it. It was hard to get away from, well... Well, to me, an image has has to have like some kind of figure and a pan, you know head or something, and words. And so, it's been a slow transition to um, having less and less of that. But I definitely was like, no statement because to me, what 
a statement is just another um, glorified term for um, an explanation and uh, trying to answer the art director, which is your audience. Advertising. Uh, advertising. You're, you're trying to say, mm-hmm. you're trying to sell yourself. That's, yeah, I don't even li- I really don't like titles to paintings. I've gotten better at it in that I'll just call, you know, tw- a series of 20 paintings the same name, a okay. different number, because I'm more interested in, I feel okay naming a paint, naming a series of paintings with a general feeling that is going through me at the time. That feels more real. But yeah, names of paintings and statements are two things that um, are, are why I'm so happy to be out of galleries now. Hmm. Well, I, I think it's interesting because the call to adventure and that whole concept, um, you know, talks about I, I think being vul- vulnerable, vulnerability, yeah. you know, yeah. um, being authentic, um, and when you think about your work we're talking about sort of being an artist but that's just that's life too isn't it <laughs> yeah you know? it is I mean, uh in its purest form um what do those words authenticity and vulnerability mean to you mm. what does it mean for you to be authentic for me to be authentic it means um trying not to say cliches i'm very very aware of that my father's the same way yeah i don't think i've ever heard him say a story twice or or even a little cliche you know mm-hmm. i'm very i try to think i'm very careful with words i don't like to use a word if unless i really really know what it means or if it's very specific to what i'm i'm not i don't like throwing words around it's not like i'm some word genius but it's just more like i feel it if it's not mm-hmm. true you know what i mean um paintings the same way i can't leave something even if i know it looks pretty cool to pretty cool i think it looks pretty cool somebody might walk in and say oh, that's cool just leave it like it is well it doesn't matter that they think it looks cool and leave it like it is if it's not, if it wasn't my intention or I didn't find what I was looking for mm. in it, then you, you cannot leave it alone. And sometimes you do. And if you try that, you feel icky even when it sells. You right. think, ugh, like, why do you want that in your house, you know? So authenticity is just about <laughs> um, being as um, um, mindful as humanly possible about each thing you do. Everything you say, every event you go to, when you have a conversation at a party, to be mindful of that you're having a conversation. You're not just there to, uh, like a you know rooster, try to show off who you are to everybody, mm-hmm. but actually listening, but also not being such a doughboy in, in, in listening so much that it's just, you're just nothing, you know? Um, there's, a, there's just a, a, to me, authenticity is as, I could maybe use a, a different word that's stronger for me, which is just composition. Everything in life has a composition. You know, we talked about this whether you're composing a conversation, whether you compose your whole relationship with somebody you love, there are, there are going to be rough spots and then there's going to be these beautiful moments and then there's going to be quiet times that make the interesting times seem more interesting. You know, there's, it's, a, it's a song and um, painting is a song, you know, you know food. Mm-hmm. Everything is just, that's to me is what authenticity is, being mindful of composition and everything you do. You know, can't always do beautiful. It, that's where you're at today. Is that is that is that an evolution? I mean, is that <laughs> Tim Hussey? If I talked to him a decade ago, is is that his view on authenticity? Um, because it's very it's, it's it's a lot broader than being authentic in in how you paint. Uh, sure. Yeah, it is. No, I mean, listen. I, I I think when we're all pretty much young, five years old, you kind of know who you, what kind of person you're going to be. You know, you're already sort of talking about it and you're reacting to things the same way. You're crying about the same things. You're needing the same things. So from, you know, birth or whatever I can remember, I've always been super sensitive to um, 
feeling like people are being phony or false in their moments. Well, you know, it's interesting when you mention that because one of the things that I found compelling when uh, your exhibition at the City Gallery, Drowned and Swim, yeah, yeah, and that title came from uh, a painting you did years previous. Yes, and was one of my first. Was yeah. referring to this idea that you had of of reinventing yourself, right? Yes, uh, of, of of going under and then and then coming back up and and deciding that you can be, you don't have to be the person you thought you were going to be. Yeah, you have right? to. Yes, exactly. That's exactly what I said. I think, and that you have to something kill, like that. Yeah, you have to kill, really kill the person that's inside that uh, society you've that you've. If, if it doesn't feel good and you try to build it up for society and for your family and for if you're thinking if you're acting like somebody that you're really not then yeah you have to pretty much obliterate them slowly or and that takes a mindfulness quickly. though that you mentioned earlier because yeah. it doesn't happen there's, there's no reason to obliterate the person who you are unless you've really been looking at who you are and thinking oh man I right would, you know yeah it's just that sensitivity always yeah. feeling it in my body everything huh. and I've I've, I've as trippy as it can be you know i've always felt these little tracks little tracks in the air as if um huh. as if everything does have its perfect moment the way your arms move the way your mouth moves where you look at the time i can feel almost like the air is kind of like mush and i'm pushing there but there are little areas that are open like tunnels mm-hmm. that are the right thing to do you know and that's a more of a compulsion or a feeling when it was little yeah but it 100% is still in my paintings you know, I, I just I feel it on my skin if something is not sitting right. Uh, so yeah. that translation's there. I really like what you said about the tracks in the air and, yeah. and, and following following those. And again, I think it comes back to being quiet enough. We've talked about this a lot. Being still enough in your mind to notice those things because I think those things mm-hmm. are always there. Well, you talk about yeah. it as terms of like falling into the, strip, the slipstream slipstream of the the. Of the River, you know. Yeah, or, yeah. It's a, it's, it's, it's a an, flow. It's a, it's a flow. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's sort of a, it's a, it's, it's, a, it's an effortless. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, 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 it involves effort. Yeah. But, um, but, but it doesn't involve uh, uh, friction, con- conflict, or friction. Right. Friction, right? Yeah. It's like it takes effort yeah. to become effortless. Yeah. 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 So we're uh, tuned into a uh, tune I haven't heard by Fever Ray. Mm, my favorite. Dry and dusty. Uh, enjoy. Yeah. 
We're back at Ohm Radio. Alexopoulos, John Duckworth, with uh, wonderful guest Tim Hussey. Uh, that was Fever Ray. And, well, thank you, uh, Alex. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> A tune dry and dusty. And uh, I loved your quote about New York, so we're going to go back to New York. Oh, yeah. Okay, good. Uh, tell me what's going we'll on do. in your head, because uh, you moved from New York, and you, and you take another pretty big adventure. Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, it, it was about... I always tell people I stayed about two years beyond... I was there about five and a half years, and I stayed two years longer than I should have, even though it shaped me who I am now, so it's great. But, man, I was not happy. I, I, I hit a... I've always... I've had depression off and on my whole life, and just a, sort of a, a subtle but profound melancholy, you know? But this was not this was not that anymore. It was at age, like, 27, the whole... Um, everybody tells, talks about the Saturn nine. Saturn returns, you know, kind of thing, and that's what it was. Uh, whatever it was, it felt pretty bad. I started having panic attacks. I was working mm. at GQ at the time, and I, I got to where I would, um, I would walk fifty blocks every day. I would not get on the subway. I wouldn't get on taxi, and then when I got to the building, it was like on the you know, whatever thirtieth floor or something. I would um, wait. I would. It would take me a long time to get. To go into the elevator, mm. go upstairs. So, how, how long so, is that? How long is that? Are you living with that? Like, that's about. Months or a I'd year? say that's about a year and a half. Really, of real, really bad. And it got, to, and then it finally got to where I wasn't seeing friends much anymore. I would try to talk mm. to them about these feelings, and they didn't understand it. And I got to where I was staying inside most of the time. I was living in West Village at the time, and I was uh, living with a roommate, a good friend. But um, you know, he couldn't even really get me to go out anymore. I just would always make an excuse. So. I didn't know what it meant. I thought I was schizophrenic. I think a lot of people go through this when they start having panic attacks. They think because they're, they're you're hearing voices in your head, but it's mm -hmm. really your own voice, you know. Mm -hmm. So, you know, long story short, I just it, it culminated in a um, dang uh, as happy as I thought this would make me. Now I wasn't happy, but it sure would look like a happy place to a lot of people that would like to have some success in design and that kind of stuff. And I, but I had to. It was a huge move for me to admit to myself. This was not doing it for me. Hmm. Even though people were rooting me on, being so nice and saying, like, what are you doing, man? This is like Why the you peak of your life. You're yeah. working at GQ. Yeah, and... you're doing what you want to do. You can publish and it's all these different things you love to do. But I was like, uh, it wasn't right. Felt really bad. You know, New York started looking like a monster to me, basically. Mm -hmm. So my incredible mother flew. Oh, they, they live in Scotland part of the year. And she flew home from Scotland and, um, and said, we're going to go home. You know, and, and that's mm. just something that if you're a rebel and you're like living in New York, I mean, you're, <laughs> the chance of your mother saying we're going to go home when you're like age 28. Well, she knew, though. She knew this was a difference. She's always been supportive of whatever I wanted to do, but she knew this was not good. So she flew home, got a U-Haul and um, and helped me pack up everything. And I was just, you know, I don't think I talked for the first, you know five hours of our ride wow. home and I said goodbye really quickly to all the close friends and then that was it so I came back to Charleston and actually um, got into some um, like some therapy some kind of different kinds of unique therapy and how, stuff how there. cathartic did it feel and how quickly I mean was there like 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 coming down you mean feeling yeah, better yeah uh, I felt pretty bad I didn't I I felt good being in mother's arms again yeah. you can't but I felt like a failure yeah 
So mm. now I had my panic attacks and depression mixed with a uh, true sense of failure. Like, dang, now I just ruined my life or whatever. You know, what am I going to do back now? home. Back home. Yeah, back home and, and, and staying with my parents. Well, fortunately, I moved in with uh, David Lee, who was one of my oldest friends from first grade. So he said, dude, in his David Lee voice, come move in with me. And nice. uh, I got a place. And he took care of me, man. He was, I owe him a lot. He's been a, a steady friend through life. And was he at that same place on King Street right yes. now? It's such a well, great he's spot. He's not there anymore, but yeah, he was there for like 20 years. Yeah. Anyway, so um, came home, licked my wounds, hung out for a while, started gradually feeling a little better, right? And and then I, um, I met a girl that I'd met in New York before, and we'd had a little fling like a, a year or two before when I wasn't really happy. So... I, I didn't really follow up with it, but then I met her again. She's from Tennessee. She drove down mm. to Charleston and basically picked me up and took me back to her farm where her family had had, you know, for like three generations, this River Plains farm in East Tennessee, Strawberry Plains. And um, so that I, it, it was uh, unwitting. I, I didn't know that, I was, that this, this cool thing was about to happen to me. I was just running from life. So I thought... I don't want to even mm. be in Charleston. I don't want to see okay. old friends. I don't want to see people reminding me of what I was. If I'm not going to be in New York, and then I'm going to be in the opposite. I'm going to go hide in a new, um, a, a dying, tiny town far away from Charleston. Because so, Charleston to me was like too much judgment in my head. You know. Yeah, and so back to the original question, you know, was it the, the, the leaving or the arriving? In this case, it was <laughs> definitely the leaving. Yes, I needed to leave. I didn't, you're right. That's, that is a very clear answer is that I didn't know. Um, what I was going to do next. Uh, all I could think about was get, re- get better and move back to New York. Because okay. New York is uh, like a okay. disease. You know, you, 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 you may hate it, but your ego is so filled with like being a New Yorker, you think that's what you're supposed to be doing all the time if you've lived there. And so I ended up, you know, that was what my habit was, thinking I got to go back. But I, I ended up, um, I really wanted to rough it. You know, her family was very nice. They barely knew me, but they said, here, you can have a room um, over here at the end of the house, you know, you can stay here and, and just help out a little bit around the farm. And as long as you're nice to our daughter, but I said, well, I'd rather sleep somewhere a little more rustic or whatever, you know, I'd, I'd like to stay out of the house. So I ended up sleeping in the, um, not a barn, like there wasn't a, you know, horse in the barn, but it was, a, it was the barn. It was where the tack was and all that kind of stuff. Okay. It's, it's a, it's a horse farm. So I ended up just sleeping on the ground you know, they gave me a little futon to put out there. And um, and I said, simplified my life down to one bag. So this is a mm. classic story. You know, mm. we've heard this story a million times. I'm not trying to say it's unique. What it, but what it is, it, was, it, is, it is, was the thing that broke me down and, and, um, to, to reinvent. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I had to, I had to uh, drop off all those little things. I couldn't, they didn't care. The people in, in these t- tiny towns, they don't care about me dropping names of New York things. In fact, right. it's only going to work against you. Right, right. That's and true. Um, you learn how to mm. do the little one finger wave in the, in the truck going down the road. You know, you waved everybody and you, and so I had to, it was a challenge. De- you had to deconstruct had to yourself. Deconstruct and then reinvent. I had a similar moment, you know, you know uh, uh, many years ago, and and I was sort of rock bottom in every category. <laughs> yeah. And as I was in that moment, there was another voice in my mind that was saying, "This is where you need where you to start. be, and this is where you start over." And, right. And and so it it flipped from this tragic situation to an opportunity. Yes. Like, suddenly, I was I was I really saw it that way in the midst of really feeling awful. 
I sensed yeah. an opportunity there. Like, okay, if I'm gonna, if I'm here, I can't go lower. So on the way back up, I can sort of redo anything I want to do on the way out of this. And it sounds like, and you're a smart guy too. I mean, you, I, I know you read a lot and you and you um, think a lot. So you were able to pull from resources, knowing that. Wait a minute, classically, I hear that once you get to this point, you can either look at it as a, a calling, you know, to to start a new adventure or whatever. Yeah. But when you're young and, and you don't, if you haven't had that happen to you, it's just plain scary. You just think. Well, there was I'm that too, die, for sure. Know? Yeah. I mean, you're scared. Yeah. Right. You're scared because only you are going to pull yourself back out of it. It's right. Not, yeah. The adventure starts here, yeah. but then you got to start doing it. You know. And um, yeah. So I mean, you started painting again. Yeah, well, you started painting yeah. in this barn. Right? Night, that was a big part started of your painting outside using all their materials. You know, they had had uh, loads and loads of paint and materials, um, stains from from all the years of them rebuilding and building. Mm-hmm. So I used that. I used, you know, I, I would burn things or do whatever it took. You know, a lot of things were failures, but but it made me start breaking down materials, which helps. It's kind of like switching hands and drawing with your opposite hand. Oh, when yeah, you're not okay. comfortable with your materials, you learn something new. You know, it's like it's forcing you to get out of your habits. So um, that was major, and then I ended up getting a, a a pretty neat, you know, large studio in in the old city of Knoxville, about 35 miles away. And so I worked there, but I was alone every day, and so I, I had to kind of reinvent myself as far as how I was going to do illustration. Still, I was still doing illustration when I moved first moved to this oh, barn. Okay. You know. And then um, I started experimenting, and that's when I realized, like, I really want something more. Why would I just drag illustrate just because I was doing that in New York? I, I Why want to take that bag yeah, with me. Yeah, I right. want to like, I want to try to mm. adjust to or take advantage of this new life completely. So I started experimenting, but it wasn't until we moved, we went to Santa Fe for a year. I ended up getting married to this girl. We moved to Santa Fe to work for Outside Magazine. One of the last times I worked as full time, you know, in a, a job. Um, at a magazine, and I just decided I needed, I, I kind of hit rock bottom in my soul, like, when am I going to start doing what I really want to do? Mm. So when I turned 30, when I was in 2000 in Santa Fe, um, sort of declared that this is when I want to start painting. So that was where I started sort of breaking away. So you, so you rebuild yourself in a farm, you start to go back on a path that might not be in New York, it's in Santa Fe, but yeah, you're yeah. doing a similar thing, and you started to come to a conclusion of, why am I going back on the same path? Yeah, I, here I am, I have all these new chances, and I'm, I'm not, like, destitute, just, you know, take, just think, stop and think for a second. Is there a way out? Do you want something different rather than just sticking in it? Now, granted, I still art track magazines. Yeah, and I, you know, there's there's things that just stick because they're like, well, this it, it's great great hours, you know, mm-hmm. just to do it on my own. But um, so yeah, after after Santa Fe, we moved back to the farm and um, lived for two years there, and that is when I really started experimenting with all the paints on the farm, and pushing my work to a new level, because I'd started developing a style, and uh, but I used all these unknown materials to me unfamiliar materials to break ground and force me to do bold moves because I wasn't sure how the thing was you know going to work mm. literally found materials in yes. in the shed yeah right? yeah yeah I mean the yeah. paints and the cans and the papers the and wood the, and right the knowing and you know forgetting the whole idea of archivalness and yeah. all that I mean it took me a few years to grow out of saying screw it I don't care if something's archival well now I feel bad for all those people that bought through those years <laughs> And when the stuff's crumbling off the wall, but but at the uh, same know. time, you mentioned that 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 when people would come over at this moment, you were hiding 
your work. You were pretty, still fairly insecure about what you were doing, right? Definitely. Well, you know, I I would hide work in the barn when I was working because it was a little strange. There was some, yeah. some weird sexual stuff. There was some, um, and it was just not your typical fare of what you're going to see yeah. in that area. So, I I I'm a big. Um, and you weren't yet confident with it either, right? I you wasn't still... totally confident. I didn't know who to let see it though. Okay. I, I knew I had to gr- learn to love it or figure out what I wanted out of it. Mm. But yeah, I mean, I had, I was just trying to, to do the, the most pure work, that whole thing about the pure expression. I was trying to do the most pure expression I could. And now, but I had no reference point to say, is this good or not? But I, you know, but I've now kind of built a career on that. I do yeah. like, I do let myself look at other people's work now more, but I'm very cautious about it. I try not to do it too much. Uh, I try not to read too much about other artists because I found that the most beautiful thing that came out of was what came out of those years on the farm where um, that I, I didn't have anybody to There wasn't no a reference me. point. No reference point and no critique. It was all internal. So I was like, if there's ever a time to reinvent yourself as a, a quote-unquote untrained artist, which is not <laughs> true, you know, this is kind of the time. You're going to be an outsider, an outsider artist to these people right now. So yeah. why not try to... Um, and that's something you've referenced before as far as your love of yeah. outsider art, yeah. the art of the insane, you know, this sort of uh, compulsive art making that has nothing to do with commerce yes and and art is everywhere and it goes right back to that authenticity and um that to me that is the purest authentic work doesn't mean that these people didn't have um malice in their hearts or anything that they were great people just because they are work but you know but the the expressive forms that they're making are coming from a place that's that's relatively unfiltered Yes, they and didn't that's the, the sort school. of thing that you're aspiring to. That's in your what I work. always aspire to. Yeah. I love yeah. to me, hands down, hmm. always the untrained artist is are, are my, they are my hero. Untrained artists, um, that's who I look to because I, to me, I, that I see that as the highest form of purity. I'm, and that's such a you know I know it's a really loose word and it can be kind of like well what's pure you know I understand but, what you mean, you know though. What I mean though and and it's interesting because. You know, then it all gets processed by the machine of the fine art world, if that's what we're yes, doing here. Yes. And I read a quote by uh, Robert Rauschenberg earlier today that I thought you might appreciate. And he said, uh, uh, at one point, I was the charlatan of the art world. Then, when I had enough work amassed, I became a satirist, a tricky word, of the art world. Then, fine artist. But who could live with it? And now, we like your old things better. <laughs> we like your old things better? That's yeah. funny. That's perfect. That's and, what happened. <laughs> and so it's a tricky industry uh, yeah. to start with, and, and, and you've recently decided to forego gallery representation and work out yes. of your studio. Yes. And, and that's another, it wasn't mentioned on your calls to adventure, but I would assume that that's another step into the unknown, I'd right? say, yeah, only because there were three numbers on the question. Yeah, right. <laughs> but if there was a fourth... I would say... You might put fourth and fifth. Los Angeles, maybe, being <laughs> of course, one. Well, of course, I'd, yeah, say, I'd yeah. say actually the biggest influence in my entire life is my wife, Elise. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that to me is a call to adventure beyond, um, huh. beyond all those other things because she believes in me and she, uh, we think similarly and uh, she's up for true adventure, simple, simple or complicated. She's up for like adventure together. Never have I felt so complete just being a, with a person. That's it. You know what I mean? Oh, I mean, really we nice. spend yeah. most of our time together. But um, so she has influenced the heck out of me you talked about her mindfulness and awareness within a conversation. She's the same 
she's the uh, she she's a chameleon. She she like all of us. You want to be liked by every group of people you could ever meet, every kind of person. You want to be the everyday person. You want to be the street <laughs> per- eat urchin. You know. So yeah, she has that in her too. She's a chameleon, and she. Um, because of that, she has really taken to the art world, something she was never trained in before. Hmm. Um, but she, or, or studied, you know, she, but she really wants to know what makes me tick in this way. And she figured, she figured it out. She's good at it. You know, she's good at talking about it and good. She's been messing around with actually doing it, doing oh, yeah? some artwork. And oh, nice. She has an eye because of her mindfulness, you know? Huh. Um, anyway, so yeah, she's, I'd say she's the overarching, you know, big influence in my life now. Does the you, you I think referenced at a, another point where you said, you know, sometimes I I've I've been too scared to go too far into my mind because yeah, I'm yeah. scared of what I might not come out of it. Yeah, I you think, won't come out like that. Yeah. So with with somebody as supportive as your wife, at least, does does that give you the comfort and yes. confidence yes. That's to good. go deep? Mm. I'm glad you brought that up because that is 100 um, percent true. Now, yeah, I'm not. I'm not afraid of that anymore. And, and the truth is, nobody should be afraid of it. It's the chances of you not being able to handle it are slim. I mean, it's just never as intense as you think, right? Mm-hmm. You can snap back. But if you have a little, if you have anxiety, it's kind of scary to say, what if I just did whatever I wanted and spent all night in here smoking cigarettes and doing whatever, I, you know, just and just spent a night in the studio in the dark by myself, you know, um, with all the creature comforts of home, what if I did that? Is that would I just get really mortally depressed, mm-hmm. you know, or lose my sense of everything? Right. But um, it's not as scary as you think. Mm-hmm. You do it. Yeah, it gets a little depressing, but right. you. Uh, well, you, you have somebody you there make it to, through. To, to, you get a touchdown. Yeah, yeah, she says, to. she says, go for it, and I'm going to bring you a sandwich, and oh, man. and yeah. now come home and let's talk, and now let, let's watch something silly on TV. Let's. Right. She is uh, great at. Um, making me feel comfortable about it the whole time what a beautiful thing so yeah and she's the one and speaking of the jumping off that she's the one that made me say um i I would look at her and i'd say she married me because she believes i'm an honest guy i'm not rich you know so and i'm older considerably older so it's like what is she married for she married me for the adventure of me of my involved that involves my honesty and my desire for authenticity and good people and good stuff and a good life so i have to so when i look at her i have to think it reminds me there's an accountability keep there. that yes accountability yeah. thank you John. yeah absolutely no i feel that same way with 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 my son honestly of course you know right. there's an accountability there when i look at him and i see him looking at me i think well I, I'm, I'm beholden to these things that i'm trying to teach him yes and for the same reason you're sort of I'm sure not beholden in a in a negative way, but no. in, a, in an inspiring way. Like, oh, that inspiring. inspires me to to push it further. For sure, you know? yeah. Like yeah, I need to be really the great. best person I can for her. Yeah. And um, so in that way, mm. that's when I I decided to look at myself and say, you know, she was always saying, I I just don't understand why you give fifty have to give up fifty percent of what you make off of everything. And I said, well, that's just what you do. It's galleries, you know. It's just it's across the board the way it's done. And it does work for some people, and it works for I yeah. think, people that need to be uh, exposure when they're young. They need to be in galleries to. Um, Whilst talking to Shepard, speaking to Shepard, I talked to him the other day, and I was telling him about this leap that I was taking off uh, of leaving galleries, and he said, it's, "It's real simple and clear." He was just like, "Well, the only reason you ever need to be in a gallery is to get in front of audiences that you wouldn't normally be able to oh, get yeah. in front of." And I was like, "You're right. That's you know." And with Instagram. You can be in front of everybody all the time. Social media does so, give you a broader microphone. It's huge, and, huge. And, you know, things like, you know, radio shows. And- <laughs> yes. But, yeah, yes. But, you know, Vince Graham, 
who was a guest on the show a couple uh, weeks ago was talking about just the the highway system, the federal highway system, you know, and and why would we sort of continue down a road just because that's what we've done for the last yes. hundred years? You have to pause and say, uh, does that make sense? Sustainable to how right. the world is now, right. yeah. Or else you're perpetuating something that no longer actually really makes sense. Yes. Know? And, and yes. when you think, when I think about the gallery and your move out, you know, just because it has been doesn't mean it should be. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Don't take it for granted ever. Like a true, a truly mindful person, and and then to get even more specific, an artist needs to be examining their own life all the time to be as best they can as a person. If you're not living if you're living in sort of like a, a, a machine that's been built up for you and you're not examining it, yeah, then you're not really you're not pushing it your your total self forward. You well, know? you're not really living in that way, you know. I mean, yeah. that's that's yeah. what my my meditation practice reminds me of is is to pause, yeah, uh, on a regular basis and, and examine, yeah, where I am, yeah, and and it could be a small moment of me walking out and I'm spending too much constricted time in my headspace, and I just go. Oh man, it's a beautiful day outside. You know? Right, right. It's Maybe hard I should just sit down here and watch the birds fly around the sky. You know, and it, it's it's really it's a beautiful thing to do. Yeah, and to be reminded of. Are you okay, John? <laughs> do you need help? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, no, that's nice. The birds and everything. That's yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, the, I was thinking about my place. Follow on John's those birds. What no, I do. Of course, of course. It's why sitting between the two of you is such an honor because I think re- true artists are so much more than their actual expression that they put out there. I mean, they, they yeah. just look at the world with a critical right. lens, yeah. you know? Well, which, you're very lucky to have this artist sandwich today. Yeah. <laughs> you really are. <laughs> you know how many women would like to be in between us right now? <laughs> um, no, yeah, it's, oh, it's true. Like, the, the, the art, I'm sure you agree with this. The, artist, the art is just a byproduct. It's just, yeah. you know, it could have been a, it been a ashes, million things. It's it the ashes been. from the fire. And, yeah, and, yeah. And, it's, and it's the one thing that I've always been somewhat jealous of 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 musicians is they actually oh, yeah. get to bring that fire out yes. right into the public right and in and, front of and, you. and we're not going to hear it today but what's the name of your band <laughs> oh toxic cricket yeah. toxic cricket all right this, yeah. well maybe we'll have a round they'll two. be popping out soon it's yeah. a it's an air guitar band my wife and i have and we, <laughs> we're, we're pretty good Sweet. I'm sure. <laughs> oh man! Well, it's it's been really great to have you here. Oh yeah, and, and uh, it went so fast. Know, as as usual, there's so much more to talk about. So, um, really look forward to see. Well, I'll come out to your to John's Island. That's what yeah, let's do it. Look at let's the birds. Do it. And I look forward to see what you do next. <laughs> Me too. And it's, it's it's exciting for us and for Charleston that you're back in town and 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 you're on uh, on King Street with a new studio. Yes. And if uh, you want to find out more, you can go to hussyart.com. Exactly. And um, and yeah. take a look at his work. It, 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 we're on we're on air here, so you can't see anything. But but you know, scour the internet and look up Tim Hussey. It's really yeah, worth, and, worth and, your while. And, and you'll see the building. It says studio on the front. I just had a, a, a an old lettering guy, a great guy named uh, James Green, who's done all the lettering around town. I had him put studio on the window, really large, and it's it was a nice moment. It looks really <laughs> <be> good. Old. <laughs> it's a good space. Okay, so good. well, we're gonna bring it back old school here. Uh, with some grunge music and and lead out with Nirvana. Yes. Been a son. I love the song. Enjoy. Cheers. She shows 
That's a blast from the past, Nirvana, uh, been a son. Yeah, it brings me back to California. A little grunge. West Coast, yeah. You know, you were talking about uh, Tim and his work being not a statement about anything, just sort of intuition and shaping and just, you know, grunge was sort of that movement in the music. That's right. We were talking about that earlier. Yeah. And, and I was reminded of how Kurt Cobain was even talking about how he was just writing about his own personal emotions and, and states and with, with no particular message to employ or get out there to anybody. And yet, man, that really resonated. Well, it's interesting because, you know, the, even the way they dressed wasn't a statement. It, it, the, the culture right. adopted it as a statement, but that's not why they dressed that way. No, <laughs> they know, were just, being, just wearing flannels and jeans. The same thing that, that Tim mentioned. They, they were just trying to be as, as, as sort of authentic as, as they could be. I just loved that conversation with Tim. I mean, yeah. I've known him for 20 years, not, you know, just very sporadically, uh, intermittently, but uh, what, it, what it, I just love, and I'll say it again, just I think true artists, and you two are clearly two of them, um, just take a really critical examination towards everything in their life. And it ends up in how they express themselves through these visual things that we, hmm. the others who don't, you know, that are able byproduct. to look at the, the byproduct, but it is a byproduct. It is, you know. Yeah, yeah. It is. It is the you know. It's the ashes of the fire, and and the fire is burning all day, right? And it doesn't just have to do with painting. You know, it's 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 all of it, right? And and for for Tim, it definitely is. You know, and and I think that's been one of his biggest challenges and struggles is is how to keep that process you know pure uh, to his 
own freedom of expression and still be involved in in commerce. Um, and I, so I'm excited for him to be opening up his own studio outside of the trappings of the of the gallery scene and 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 to see where that goes. Well, and what a beautiful thing to have a support system. You know, we all have different support systems. Your son, you know, my wife, and in in his wife Elise, um, yeah. who I think really gives him the rope with which to climb down into the depths of where his mind is and to yeah, go right. far. Yeah, knowing that she's there to bring him back. You know, what a beautiful thing to have that relationship. It was really special to hear him talk. It about was. It. it was. Yeah, really nice. I'm glad we got to. I'm glad we got to hear more about that as well. And and. Uh, um, I'm glad they're both back here in Charleston, South Carolina, and, yeah. and hanging out in our beautiful city and and uh, and and making more artwork. For anybody who hasn't uh, seen Tim's work, you can go online to hussyart.com, H-U-S-S-E-Y-A-R-T.com, and and spend some time there. I mean, there's there's a 45 minute documentary you can find that's that'll give you a great insight into who he is. There's also um, quite a few years of, of work and you can scroll through the chronology and get a sense for how his work is becoming more and more pared down and simple and it's starting to disintegrate into formless abstraction which is really beautiful to see uh to see that happen i read a quote from de kooning where he said it seems that a lot of artists as they get older they get simpler they feel their own miracle in nature and and i feel like that's what that's what Tim's been exploring here recently. I loved what Jill Hooper, another beautiful artist from Charleston, had to say about his work when she said she's mystified by what mm. she sees when looking at his work. She has no idea how he got there. Uh, the tools nor the application are easy to comprehend. Uh, and yet it's just beautiful. And, yeah. And yeah, absolutely. there's a lot going on. Absolutely. A lot going yeah. On. Yeah. And, and Jill Hooper's no slouch. She's a, oh, an amazing painter. And, and on the other side of the spectrum, though, right. very, very uh, realistic and, and beautifully rendered. Right. Um, well, another great conversation. Another great hour. We went a little over. Thank goodness. Uh, we just took a little bit more time and uh, he deserved it. So Absolutely. thank you for spending your time with us, sharing another hour with us. Thanks to uh, Thomas for helping us make it all happen. Thanks to Ohm Radio, Vicki Lee. And uh, we'll see you uh, in a week or two. Cheers. Cheers. And remember, the road that is distinctly your own has never been traversed. Celebrate the path that is your call to adventure. This show is brought to you by Objectivity Squared Wealth Management, helping families strategize, execute, monitor, and communicate their financial decisions. Learn more at objectivitysquared.com.